Welcome to the party, pal. The mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. My name is Michael Shields, and uh, I am with Brian Saxon, as always. What's up, Brian? What's up, man? We got a we got a special one tonight. We uh, we are getting into 2001: A Space Odyssey, uh, and it's a celebration. We're here to party. This is it's it's 50th anniversary, <coughs> so. Uh, so, but before we get going, uh, as always, I want to mention that we are part of the Osiris podcast. We are in the loop, as they say, and um, Osiris is a family of a podcast, a community of really unique and cool podcasts. Uh, you go to OsirisPod.com and check out what they got going on. I do want to, as I will from time to time, point you to uh, a recent episode from one of the Osiris family podcasts. It's, uh, it's called Guitar Cast. And the reason I, I, I'm going to point this one out, it really suits um, our audience, because in, I think it's his last episode, yeah, um, Andy, he's the host of it, Guitar Cast, he traveled to Dallas for the second annual Con of Thrones convention. You ever heard of that, Brian? The Con of Thrones? Yeah, it's called the Con of Thrones convention. So they're kind of trying to make a, a, a run at being the premier Game of Thrones uh, convention space. So he went down there, and I guess it, like a cosplay thing. Or I'm sure the people dress dress up. I mean, it's definitely a nerdy nerdy event. But in that podcast, he uh, he interviews uh, Game of Thrones sound designer Paula Fairfield, and that's cool. I mm. mean, talking to the the sound designer who who crafts the uh, ambiance and feeling of all just all that there. There's also I think there's other interviews. I haven't finished the episode. I'm still in the in the Paula interview, and it's awesome. But um, uh, from reading the description, there's some other Game of Thrones goodies involved. Check out Guitar Cast, part of the Osiris uh, network. But uh, as I said today, we are here to talk about 2001 a Space Odyssey, the 1968 epic science fiction film produced and directed by the late, great Stanley Kubrick. Um, so on its 50th anniversary, uh, it was released in April of uh, 1968. That's so... Uh, that's so crazy, but so Brian, um, we, you and I, just treated ourselves to a viewing of 2001 on the big screen as part of 70 millimeter. Uh, 70 millimeter as part of the film's 50th anniversary. Warner Brothers um, uh, 
It, it, what they did is they struck new 70 millimeter prints from printing elements made directly from the original film negative. And Christopher Nolan took on the, this task, uh, supervised the whole thing, and they re-released it in the theaters. And and when watching both visually and, and it's like poignant thematics, I... Uh, I gotta ask you, Matt, can you believe it's it's fifty years old at this point? Um no, it's kinda crazy. I mean, I I can't remember the first time I saw it, but it obviously it was way after I mean, I was born like ten years ago. Yeah, did you have were you later. younger? I, I was I was it was college when I was I getting into Cooper. I think I would say probably high school. Okay. I think by yeah. I think by college I was, you know indoctrinated. Mixing the- mixing the uh Psychedelic drugs with my with, <laughs> with my Kubrick. viewings, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they do go well. They're, that's a perfect pairing. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, fifty years, and I would say that uh, from like our screening of it, like mm-hmm. it still holds up. It beyond holds up. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it's. I was just, I was almost like yearning for some side. You know, the we'll go through some of the effects as we go through, but some of the effects to that he was using the. Just kind of that that felt so authentic. I, I wish they were more employed instead of some of the CGI that we see. The, uh, the thematics were way ahead of their time. I mean, it talks about artificial intelligence, the threats of AI, right. existentialism, evolution. Uh, you know, the possibility of, uh, of extraterrestrial life. It's really yeah holds it's, up. It's like the, you said. Yeah, uh, the the budget for the film was ten point five million dollars. Okay. Do you know what that would relate to? Oof, that's yeah, tough. that's a that's, loaded question. But because that's a, that, I mean, in the sixties, it's probably it's, it's substantial. Know, I would say it's like a, in the I'm just guessing, like maybe like fifties, sixties. Yeah, 60s, yeah I mean, because it was released by MGM. It was it was a big film, right? Which, but but of that ten million dollars, okay. six point five went to special effects. Okay, so the sets, the, the big, the big rotating sets, and yeah. everything, everything they did. I mean, uh, yeah. so we'll touch on as much as we can with that. Uh, so I, that that was the one thing that I like took away from it upon this last one was seeing it on the big screen. So I I've, I've seen it multiple multiple times. Yeah. I've seen it and. Uh, in di- in different different altered states of consciousness, sure. which is kind of like the way like to see this, yeah. to see this film. It's one of the ways to see Absolutely. this film because it's a very ambiguous, open ended, purposefully, they, specifically the end, purposefully. Yeah, and I think I, I read a quote that Kubrick specific when somebody asked him what what the meaning of it was. Yeah, I, he was it was he was very vague, and he said, you know, the viewer takes away with totally. One of the things he said was. Um, in the book, there's a book released by. Um, so it's based. It's inspired by Arthur C. Clarke's short story, The Sentinel, and um, so him and Clark uh, met up. And Wait, it's it's uh, a short story. It is, but it, there's a little bit more to that. It's it's so it's inspired by that short story. That's right. the idea of the basis of kind of like the Jupiter mission and everything for that. Actually, the part and we're, we're going to go through the parts. The Dawn of Man was inspired by another of his uh, short stories called Encounter in the Dawn. So is so the, it was pieces together and they got together uh, and met and they decided to write it together. So they wrote the screenplay and the book simultaneously. And the way they talk about it is, or at least Clark says, Clark says for the book, if you were to write who it was by, you would write Clark and Kubrick. If you were to write the screenplay, who it was by. Kubrick and Clark. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they so they got together. So then when was the book written in relation to the the script? Si- simultaneously. Wow. 
Wow. They write. They were writing them at the same exact time. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. I could. I that that's that floored me. Kind of learning. Yeah. That. But you were talking about the uh, ambiguity. The book at the end led a lot of people at the time to believe that uh, uh, the the, um, the the Star Child uh, was was a threat to the Earth. And the and, and so Kubrick came out and and he's like he's like I am not going to talk about the ending of the movie and what it exactly means, but right. I, I am going to tell you this that the Star Child did not destroy the Earth. Right. So he, I he, never got that. No way. Me neither. I don't. I, I got I, I got the Star Child. That I mean I can't believe we're like getting into no, the I Star Child it, I for saying you brought it up, man. Yeah. No, I know, but I just want like he was really. I, I'm really excited to hear your entire take. Yeah. But I'm, I'm I'll, I'll hold. To, I'll hold off. Yeah. On it. it's, it's, I'll so, hold off on it. But it's um. What was fun to learn a little bit about it? The initial reaction to the film when it came out was mixed. There was there people was, hated. There was some pe- there was some real haters. But the uh, the people that really liked it were younger audiences. Yep, absolutely, and they, they, a lot of uh, younger critics were coming we're feeling out. Feeling it, we're feeling it, yeah. and it was making other like older, maybe more antiquated, more traditional totally. critics to go. And this was, I mean, this was a time when. Uh, film critics like really could make or break mm. a movie and it wasn't like now where you have thousands of different outlets yeah. I mean you probably had like a couple like large oh, yeah, publications yeah, exactly. and yeah, then you had, had like small local ones totally. but uh, but they were the younger voices really kind of made the older people say like wait maybe we're missing something totally. yeah uh, maybe maybe your time is done here yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe if you're not getting this whole thing but it's amazing that uh it's amazing that it was made in a lot of ways. I just, it's, I mean, I think it's so avant-garde. There's no talking it's, within the first 20 minutes and, and in the last, the last 20, 20 minutes. minutes. It's mad it's weird. so mad weird. And, um, and then when there is talking, I, I think we talked about this on our, like when we were walking out. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the moon mission, which is called... It's not tech. You're you're right. Was it, that right? It's, it's so technically, me and Brian were talking about how there were four parts. Uh, or well, I was I mentioned how there was three parts to the movie, and he's like, Brian's like, wait, isn't there four? Uh, but that's kind of a point of controversy. But, but there is, and okay. it's it's named. It's not named the moon. Okay. So, so like, so there are four there's parts. Four, there's four so parts. We Dawn of Man. Okay. Dawn of Man, Jupiter Mission, Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite. Infinite. Those are the three that actually have. They actually. That's they. They're labeled. Yeah. That's why the they, people who are like sticklers. For right. Things. The second yeah. one, the Moon Mission, yeah. is actually called TMA One. Okay. That's like what it's referred to as from like the filmmakers. Okay. Cool. Um. But it is. That it's, is a separate it, it segment. Feels it doesn't. Like a different it doesn't. Segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that segment is fucking like. For one, it's like way more boring than the other ones. Like it's even more boring than than Dawn of Mad. There's a lot of weird mm. dialogue that just doesn't like propel the story yeah. at all. They kind of keep mentioning what's going on, mm. uh, what's going on 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 Jupiter. I, I yeah th- yeah. There's a lot of uh, 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 allusions to things that actually kind of never come up too. And mm-hmm. they're talking about some of the sicknesses that. Uh, like it's it's very broy too in like yeah. the sixties like madman <laughs> yep. sense and it's like well Jim <laughs> it is uh, you know I, was, I think one of the things I said when we were walking away from like Do people fucking talk like that yeah <laughs> like that it, it was very I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that Jim yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so it's but it did it did you know kind of get some uh, it got respect obviously um, got nominated for four Academy Awards Kubrick. 
uh, did not win Best Director. It was nominated, but there was original screenplay, Best Art Direction, and it won for Visual Effects. Visual Effects. Which is cool. So, uh, it's, it's, I mean, just the, the way that it, it, it portrayed, uh, I mean, that we already mentioned the special effects, but just like space in a way that was so, uh, uh purposefully realistic. Yeah. I mean, I know they, I, they used, um, a lot of the uh, props, such as the spacesuits and the instrument panels, was outsourced to various aerospace and engineering companies. Oh, cool. So, like, so every, they, they, everything had to go through, and cool. Kubrick approved everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think, like, seeing... This, this is one of the weird things that, that I noticed upon watching movies that I grew up watching on VHS yeah. or, like, on, like, a regular, you know, old-school yeah. tube TV. Yeah. And then once you, like, make that shift into into watching something in HD and now like watching something on the big screen this is the first time I saw this on on the big screen I felt like I'd never seen it before it's kind of like you go into you you go into it like that the amount of like little details mm. that you never noticed from previous viewings like TWA is like plastered all over the place oh I know it was it was they were in the um Pan Am uh the Pan Am yeah, yeah not Tito was it Tito it was Pan Am there was I mean the they the Hilton Right, right, Hilton right. was represented. That was yeah. That was something I was not taking away. Yeah. Um. Initially, when watching and, um, yeah. So I mean, let's 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 start moving towards kind of going through each thing. But I know that um I mentioned the meeting with Kubrick and Clark, and uh, Kubrick told him he wanted to make a fa- film about man's relationship to the universe, and Clark said that that Kubrick was obsessed and determined to create a work of art. Which would uh, uh, arouse the emotions of wonder, awe, and even even terror. Um, you gotta you gotta say mission accomplished and yeah. all that. I mean, it was definitely. But it all starts with um, uh, the dawn of dawn man. Of, dawn of man. Dawn, dawn of man. So, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, the dawn of, the dawn of man. I can't. Ima- so while I was watching it, I was trying to imagine myself as a viewer in the 1960s. Yeah. Just going to a theater to see a fucking space movie. Yep. And yeah, and then, then you are then you are then you are hit then you are hit with like twenty <laughs> minutes of this like obscure pre pre man uh, men in uh, the men in chimp outfits. Yep. Except for two, there were two baby chimps. Oh, there's they a baby used chimp. two baby chimps, okay. real baby chimps. Oh, and they, they were running around. Okay, yeah. I almost wish I knew that, so I can keep an eye out for. Yeah, them. I, I actually noticed it. Oh, um, good. Yeah, I did notice it while I was watching yeah. it. I also was like, really, I didn't, fi- I didn't look into it, but the there's like random shots of like a leopard was. attacking. Oh the, yeah, 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 totally. attacking. Uh, yeah, some of the chimps. So like, I think they were just trying to show the the kind of all the threats and just the world that they were living right. in at the time but yeah but obviously like the biggest the biggest takeaway from the whole Donna Man sequence is this is where we came from yep and they're yeah, saying that this higher intelligence which is the monolith that comes down mm-hmm. gives this clan of chimps mm-hmm. uh, or not chimps they were what are they were there's hominids a, is a word they love to use yeah. when they're talking about that um but 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 the monolith comes down, gives them mm-hmm. intelligence, which the the greatest scene. I don't know if like the better scene is the scene at the waterhole, where he actually uses the tool uses for the, the tool, fir- uses the tool yeah. for the first time, or the scene which I think everybody is kind of 
is is the more famous one where he learns you see the the hominid discover that but that the when he's bone kind of, is when a trying, tool. Yeah, when he's well, I think I think that one hits me hard. Right, he's he's, he's kind of just hitting it around. But then the other one is where he throws the tool up. Well, that's like I think that's the most iconic thing. Right, they do the split shot and then it turns into uh, to a spaceship. Right, um, but yeah, so I mean, what is going on is 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 this this thing this monolith uh, is obviously this featureless black box is 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 sent here. Or, 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 or place there some reason. We or really that is the higher life. Absolutely. Like That's something. That, that, uh, I, was, I was actually going to bring that up, Ryan. I'm glad you said that. Because uh, they went to Carl Sagan to talk to him about it, Clark and, and Kubrick. And they're like, we, we want to talk about aliens. And he's like, and they started talking about it in like a humanoid form. And he's like, Carl Sagan's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, we don't know. Like what they could possibly yeah. ever look like, and I think yeah. that's like always a missing. My beater squeaking like basketballs, uh, basketball court. Um, it, it's it's it's. I think that's a misconception. People always think that when we do see, uh, you know, if there is ever uh, uh, something happens where we do encounter alien life form, we think we might know what it looks like. We have no fucking right. idea what it's going to look right. like. Right. You know? um, yeah. Have you seen Annihilation yet? Oh no! That's How am like, I sleeping on that. I don't it's good, that. man. Yeah. It's it's a weird yeah, you really one. Enjoyed that, but right? they, yeah, I really did, and uh, they kind of like go into that how like alien life forms are not necessarily looking like that. Yeah, got yeah. a head and totally. fucking two hands, yeah, and two feet. Why? Stuff. Like, why would they? Absolutely. Why? This is. I mean, this is like the ignorance of of mankind. Totally. The, the same. Totally the same assume. reason why we why uh, why religions. Imagine that, like God is in the form, in the form. Of, of of a human. Yeah. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the uh, I do have a a thing about the monolith. Originally, it was envisioned as a tetrahedron. Um, what does that mean, bro? A tetrahedron is, I believe, that's like a five sided. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, um, okay. And then Kubrick commissioned a British company to manufacture a three ton block of transparent lucite. Um, and then eventually the black slab finally used was constructed out of wood and sanded with gra- with graphite for a completely smooth finish. There was awesome. like, so like awesome. Kubrick was just like taking these like companies, yeah. making all this shit uh-huh. and like just turning it away. And then finally they had finally to like, come upon the most, yeah, they just like make it out of wood, yeah. but it looks dope. It, it actually does. like, it looks like it's a fucking special effect. And I think like, my, yeah, it does stand I think our brains are just kind of conditioned now at this point, like made with a computer. Yeah. That was real. Like yeah, absolutely. that was, that was it. That was not like a post-production effect mm-hmm. that was made that was made and brought onto set, and it doesn't look like it. Doesn't it look it like really it? Does stand it looks out like in a, a special way. effect. It does. It does. Weird, man. Yeah, weird. Totally. In a great, really weird great way. And I mean, it it, it it is so cool watching kind of like the hominids, kind of the, you know our ancestors, kind of touching it and trying to come. But so it does. It it it's sent there to kind of advance the civilization. I mean, that's what we're saying. It, it teaches right. it. it in some way or another, it teaches them to use tools and. Or is it is it something that is it something that this alien race is sending down? Let's say that it's not the alien form, but let's say it's like something. I that think the it's al- a tool. The alien race is sending down, and they're just like, all right, we found life on a planet. Mm-hmm. They're obviously like at like such a yeah. Their their intelligence level is not where where we are. Totally. 
They send something yes, down. They're, and they're, they're advancing. They're, they're helping our evolution. Yeah. They're pushing forward our evolution. Yeah. I, I know I mentioned this to you, but I'm going to give a, give a shout out to all our start. I, I, I look at our Twitter feed. I know we get some Star Trek nerds out there. I, I, I like to think about when I think about this moment is the Star Trek first contact. Um, first contact is not made in, in the in, there was a Star Trek, the uh, next generation, which is my shit. Um, first contact is not made until human evolution reaches a certain point. Yeah. And the point they choose in, in, in Star Trek is when they're able to go to warp speed. Yeah. So, yeah. so they, this, is the, this is the one with the Borg. This is this like is one, one of the, the Borg. Be, this is one of the best Star Trek movies. It's dope. It's I, and I'm not, I'm not a huge Trekkie fan, yeah. but like, fuck man. Yeah, it was the, good. And there's, first and the, contact. The guy who, uh, James, uh, James Cromwell. Cromwell's in it. And he's yeah. a drunk who flies the plane. And so, so it's, 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 uh, it's uh, what, what, what Spock? I'm not thinking right now. He's a Vulcan. He's a Vulcan. It's the Vulcans who actually come down. They see us uh, go. Things they, they've been watching. That's how the that's they've how been, the film ends too. Yeah, they come down and, and meet them. They've been watching, so they've been waiting till they reach a certain point in evolution. So I love that idea that people are watching from above, just watching. Like, yeah. yeah, let them let them play. Let them figure out their bullshit. Yeah. Blow each other up. But once they reach a point where they're going to become true players in that intergalactic game, if you will, this, this, they're going to talk to them. But this is this is a different thing where they're forcing evolution or, 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 or delivering the gift of uh, right. some sort of evolutionary advancement in some this, way. This, I mean, that's kind of similar in, in what happens in Arrival. Yeah. The, uh, they come down to give us... Oh, the, yeah. They give us the gift of time travel, yep. essentially. Yep. Totally. Um, because they, they are... They, and it's great, and we'll get to it at the end because yeah. time travel, I think, has like a big thing to do with two thousand and one as sure. well, uh, especially in the in the last part, Jupiter and beyond the mm-hmm. infinite, and beyond the infinite. But um, shit gets real trippy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but so the uh, did you, we, no, no, no. So the, uh, the I'll go. I'll go off on a tangent. Please, about arrival. Just, we got we got to reel it back in. The, uh, the, the, um, like I said, the novel and the screenplay were wrote uh, simultaneously. From um, what I'm reading is that there are clearer explanations of the monolith and the Stargate in the book. And it's pretty clear in the book. It's really spelled out that it's a tool created by an alien race that has been through many um, you know, stages of evolution, moving from organic to biochemical to pure energy. So like, they, they are there, deep so in wait, the thing. So wait, these aliens, it's what they are, they're... Um, it's an alien race that has moved through many, you know, they they were physical, uh, organic, if you will. They, they went to biochemical and finally to just pure energy. And they, right. what they do is they send down, um, they travel across the cosmos and they are assisting lesser species to take evolutionary steps. Like Dude. that is spelled out in the book. Right. Up, so... Do they have Netflix though? They, like, they, you know like what? Fuck Netflix. I wanted, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a little Netflix rant right yeah, now. Yeah. And just to tool it off, uh, I was I loved Netflix. I loved Netflix. You know what? And I'm gonna. This They're turning like, into trash. It's garbage, man. And yeah. it's not across the board garbage. You're yeah. still, I'm still finding good things. But uh, um, John Lovett from I, I listened to Pod Save America or something. I just think he's hysterical. He also has his podcast Love It or Leave It. He described it the other day as uh, the Cheesecake Factory it of is. television because they just have so many it fucking is. options. And when, I, when I heard that I, they were going to make 700 new shows this year, I'm like, who the They don't fuck give a fuck about they, quality they anymore. Don't. It goes back to, I know we're both HBO nerds, and it's because you there's a certain brand there where they're like, you're like, all right, they're going to put it out. Even if it looks sometimes H- off, I'm going to usually H- give it a HBO, chance. HBO, like, I, HBO, I will give shows a chance, like, 
four or five episodes in. Mm-hmm. That's like that, be, that's the that's the type of they've that's the type it. of customer they, that and, that I they, am. But they've earned that, dude. Netflix. Have, I'm just like, all right, keep Narcos coming. Yeah. I know you're a fan of The Crown. I love The Crown. Keep it up. The Crown. Man, there's some fucking trash on there, Dude, and they're always garbage. they're always pushing they're some of these movies they're putting out once in a while. There's a jam, but like it, some of these are garbage, yeah. man. I watched Kodachrome though. Oh, 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 I'm excited to see Kodachrome. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, absolutely. It was solid. Yeah, that looks. It was, that's a, that's, it was good. That's a good father son movie. That's a type of journey life movie that I, I can really. I, I really called my dad on. up. Call my dad up to let him know you should watch it. Oh dad, like, I love you, man. He's like, "Did you cry?" And I'm just like, "Not at this one. No. It wasn't Coco, but uh, uh-huh. Coco. <laughs> oh, so it's not a. It's not going to make our list of Brian Cry movies. No, probably. no. But we should have. We should do a podcast of oh, Brian Cry. Like, We're going to Cry. Like, yeah. I want to somehow put on like a montage during our podcast of these movies. I won't do I just, it. And I, I won't. You know do what? It. We I should won't do we it. Should, if you should video it. You know what we have coming up, and we really need to do, talk about it uh, off uh, podcast or off air. But uh, Die Hard is it that uh, yeah, it's the anniversary is July? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's let's do pop something. Off. Let's do something really special. It's pop off, yeah. Obviously, that is uh, that is inspired the name, inspired our image. But back to the let's go the moon mission. Let's yeah. go the moon mission. So this is the return of the monolith. In a lot of ways, we get a. Um, uh, I love, uh, you know, I, I did, like we alluded to already, I love the Pan Am spaceship uh, and the, the orbiting Space Station 5. Uh, I thought those looked great. I, of course it was slower paced. I, I definitely I, hear you I there. Think, I, I think thought they looked really, really it, awesome. In there. retrospect, I think the purpose of the moon mission segment mm. isn't to propel the story, but it's to like showcase the effects. Yeah. Like the, well, uh, the, the yep. pen, the pen floating, mm-hmm. which like, again, I'm watching it and I'm just like, normally my brain would just go to, just a, yeah, yeah. it's just like, that's a CGI pen. They took a piece of like plexiglass or, or glass yeah. and like glued it to it. Yeah. So in front of the camera and then she's walking over Holy. with the gravity boots I mean, shit like that. Those boots, exactly. As, as slow as it was, like watching her like serve food, I was like, "This is sick." Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is crazy because and, then and she goes like, and there's different angles to the these rotating sets allow her to move in different ways that that are trying to be as realistic as they can to the the experience of what would be occurring, which is sick. Right, right. Um, and also the technology. Uh, this was 50 years ago when he's calling his daughter. Like, when you're watching that 50 years ago, like, and just, like, I mean, just the reason, like, Star Trek, the early Star Trek was so popular. You're watching that, you're like, yeah, that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, cool. it's still, like, obviously it looks antiquated a bit, but not really. Yeah, totally. Not really. It's I mean, still- even, on, even on the space shuttles, the dude's asleep, yeah, he has a screen in front of his face, totally. like, the way we fly now. <laughs> yeah. It's not that... Absolutely. That's the entire time I'm watching this, I'm like... This is, and it's always been the case with so much sci-fi. It has predicted so much of, of, of what is to come, and mostly in technology. But like, he's nailing it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it, it just, it's. I just found it completely mind blowing. Let me ask, what um, I and I ask because I don't know. I don't have an answer to this question. Is 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 so when they do, be you know the the moon mission they they. Dr. Floyd has a layover at, at Clavius base, and then they do they end on the moon, and they do encounter the monolith there. Um, 
There's a high-pitched noise when the sun hits the monolith. What is what the fuck's going on there? Oh, um, the well, I never thought that it was because of the sun. Okay, yeah, no, no, I just know that that did occur at the time. I, I thought know. that was. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that's a cultural agent by any means. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's related that, just, to it, the it, sun. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that it was just. I don't know, man. Hey. Anyone out there in Nerdland, uh, if you could hit us up uh, in, on Twitter at to the party pal. I don't know. I you know what and and uh, and I did read a bunch, obviously going into this. And I didn't. I didn't come upon anyone really talking about that. I thought that was something that was. Uh, I didn't know what was going. I, I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, do it. Um, well, I'll lead us into um, the next part, which is the Jupiter mission, uh, and to me. As fascinating as everything was before, this is where things really heated up. Uh, this is Discovery One was bound for Jupiter. I thought that ship was. Uh, I'm a huge nerd in this way. I loved. I love just right when the ship hits the screen. I mean, it looks. It looks like what Spielberg was doing with the Star Destroyers, like twenty right. years later, that, more than twenty years. That later. ship, the centrifuge, cost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make. No, so, so it's basically like a gigantic Ferris wheel uh-huh. that they that they built, and there's like the famous shot of him running. Yeah, which is still totally fucking trippy. Like it's totally. it's it's really well done. Yeah, but they had so they had the whole. They had the whole Ferris wheel built, mm-hmm. and they would keep the camera locked into place. And they kept the actor running in place, but the fer- so the set oh, moved the rest around. Is going. Him. Yeah, so dumb. baller man, <laughs> uh, Kubrick. Yeah, six, six. Let me ask you real quick, a little side. What's your favorite Kubrick? Oh shit, man. Um, hmm. I mean, I would put this like close to the top, but yeah. goddamn, Full Metal Jacket yeah. is like really up there for me. I still like as much as I love Apocalypse Now. I think Full Metal Jacket is one of the best war movies ever made. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, a hundred percent is. I'm a big Clockwork Orange fan too. Yeah. I'm a Strange Love guy. That's that's Strange Love. Hit yeah, me. If it, I, yeah, it, 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 it hits me on so many. I, I feel I, like I need to dive into Strange Love more. I, can we do it together? Can, can I would like it. to. I would like to do it with you, and that's um, that's it's it actually that that came that, that, that was came right prior before. to this. It, it was, was right actually before. you know what you know when I was talking about the destruction uh, uh, theory that a lot of people have. Yeah, there was a theory about that theory that people were still caught up in just that whole nuclear bomb thing. And of course, it was a, 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 a thing. So they were thinking, why aren't we? Why aren't we caught up in it now? <laughs> But it was just like that, like it was still such, so much on their mind, that idea of just this threat looming. And they just figured that that thing looking over it was, was a menace. Yeah. And, and I, that makes sense. But I, th- I think, uh, but 2001, I think, was like his first like Kubrickian film. Mm. Like he did, um, I mean, Spartacus, he did, before that, he did Strange Love. Yeah. Lolita before that, which yeah. Lolita is really good. Oh, Spartacus, yeah. Spartacus is great. <laughs> yes, but these is. are all yeah. like kind of like standard they could, they Hollywood could, films. I guess in I, hindsight, when you said that, I was going to disagree. But I guess in, I guess like it's in my hindsight. Like now, I'm just like. Right. But yes, I know what you're saying. Like from there, he did. 2000, he's 2001, then he did Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, Shining, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut. Those are all, like, those are his most auteurish yes. types. No question. Have you ever seen The Killing? Yes. 
The yeah, kill- it's yeah. been some time. I, the killing's yes. good. The yeah. killing's like like one of I, the original heist movies. I need to revisit that. It's oh a dope. Yeah, I saw yeah, that I'm in college, of, man. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's uh, when I when I when I discovered Kubrick, uh, and I think this happens. I'm not alone here. I discovered Kubrick. Yeah, like, I yeah. Was like, what, I'm like, what is what is this? I'm I'm doing doing. I still uh, the the I still have never seen Paths of Glory. Mm. Uh, I, I, be, I believe I have, but the fact that it's not ringing in the uh, yeah, I think that, the, that's uh, Kirk Douglas, just, right? Is that Kirk? Well, this so, is the thing that was made in 1950s. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. That was made in 1957. Okay, so that's yeah, we're even. This is, this is one of the things that we were talking about with this film. Is that oh, that it's makes def- you want to see it more? It's, it's like like it's that's like nine that's nine years prior this, to this. This is the fiftieth. This is the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah. This is like where film historians come into play. Totally. Because as new generations come in to the fray, they're only really knowing, like, the great, great films. Mm-hmm. Like, of the 30s. Absolutely. How, how many films have you seen from the 30s other yeah. than, like, Casablanca or something? Yeah, you know? like, totally. So I, I think this is... I mean, at what point do we just, like, forget? Yeah. Or, like... Yeah. We, we, one of the things that we were talking about with... Uh, with this film is at some point will just people like just not know like yeah we don't know how they maybe, how they made the maybe pen even flow. assume it was CGI like maybe yeah, like, man. <laughs> I was I think when we were talking about that I brought up like the destruction of the uh, Library of Alexandria which is a point where uh, just so much information way back in the day about Egypt and everything was 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 lost and just it, I mean not only is it it it. To me, it's just sometimes the world seems so fragile in a way. It's like when, when you think about just, uh, you know, I think well, about... Well, it is fragile. It is. And it will right. be destroyed. But, but yeah, but like... Yeah, no, yeah, and, that's a whole and thing. But I, mean, but I mean culture. I mean culture. Uh, just like, you know, you think about Fahrenheit 451 or just like any ideas where like in anyone... Or the, the idea that the winner of a war writes the history. Right. It's just like things can be squashed out so easily. So yes, there can become a point where this information we know... Now, how this is made, but like, I, I, I mean, America has done that. Oh, read, no read, uh, yes. <laughs> read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Yes, like, that's of course, man. We do, I, we're, we're fucking everyone's writing their own narrative on what's going on all the time, and it's scary because it's, it's like you really want the facts of all these things to, to exist, and and it's just, it's, it's disheartening to know how uh, easily it could all possibly slip away, but. One thing that the Jupiter mission gave us, and I want to dive right into this because I'm so excited about it, is HAL 9000. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the foolproof and incapable <coughs> of era, uh, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. It, it, this is, this thing had to be, I mean, this, the, the idea of HAL has been blowing fans' minds, sci-fi nerds' minds, filmmakers' minds Forever. I mean, like, yeah. you hear Christopher Nolan talk about it and how it influenced him with Interstellar. You think this is how is a, such a big part of what makes this movie great? Yeah, yeah. Um, he. Uh, oh, just a just a side note. I mean, most people. I would think that most people that are listening to this know that H A L is uh, every word, every letter before H A L is I B M. Mm-hmm. Arthur C. Clarke didn't know that. That was unintentional, oh. and um, he, if he had noticed it ahead of time, he says he would have changed it. HAL originally stands for Heuristic Algorithmic Computer. I didn't know that. Neither did I, man. How is I, that I, compute? Okay. Oh, wait. 
Maybe A L That's what I said. Oh, okay, it's because I put the Hal. Yeah, yeah. And computers just kind of get. What is heuristic? What does heuristic mean? Though? Look that. Look that up. But how? How uh, was so intense in a lot of ways? And one of the things that was intense about it is obviously Hal turns to the dark side, and uh, I love the thought of why he turned to the dark side. It's. I mean, in, but in, did he? Uh, uh, he killed the. Uh, but he did he do that because he was programmed. That's 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 what I'm talking about. Like that that's where I, that's where I was going with it. Yes, he uh, he was able like the pro the what he was given was the information that the mission is more important than human life. Right. So this and is, he was forced to hide that information and lie, and so him him turning, which I believe he does turn evil. He does. He t- uh, he is uh, this thing. I believe it's some sort of original sin because he was ordered let, to, to let hide ask, things. Let me ask. Let me ask. He learned to be. Let me ask you this. Sure. You're how, s- how you're not? I don't think you're humanizing Hal enough. You're acting like he's just going by program. I'm. You watched Hal die, Brian. You watched. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Hur- okay. Go on. I want to hear. Hur- heuristic means enabling a person to discover or learn something for themselves. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you're gonna say that Hal is evil. I'm not saying he's evil. So, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely, he turned and he was able to, yes, go on. So if this, if the Jupiter mission is a mission to further the human race and Hal knows that humans are going to get in the way of themselves because uh, uh, Hal knew about the monolith on Jupiter. He knew about the signal. The astronauts did not, Correct. That sounds right. Yeah, like that's what the screen co- when what's the what's the uh, what's the character's name? Why can't I think of the other guy besides Dave right now? Um, I can only think of Dave, and it's really really bothering me. Um, uh, I guess evil was a strong word, but I'm saying his breakdown. And I, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was a breakdown. I think oh, it, I, I think it was a I think it was an override of the system mm-hmm. where it was just like okay. They think there's a problem with me. What they don't understand is that what I'm doing is going to... I couldn't disagree more. I think his belief in his imperfections, plus like the evil, like the the, whatever, the the manipulative nature that was installed in him in humans caused him to act a certain way that that is not just program dependent. It was actually an artificial intelligence that is, that is, that, that, that thought it was perfect, couldn't deal with the idea that maybe he wasn't perfect and did have a breakdown. Hmm. You heard him sing Daisy Bell. Yeah, I know. Daisy. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That one, that, Dave. That's... My mind is going. I can't. I, I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> Didn't that affect you when you watched that? Though, yeah, that... man. This uh, this last viewing, I, I really was kind of bugging out about that. Absolutely. It was really creepy. Yeah, it was. I... But it was. It, they were showing the death of a of a being. Essentially, yeah. I think that's like one of the things like artificial. This oh, is like man. one of the great things about Westworld, too, is, totally. is that they're showing that like, OK, we create we were the God figure in creating yeah. machines. But that doesn't mean that like they don't recognize their existence oh. and like his existence. He recognizes it and he at the same time recognizes when somebody is killing him. Yeah. So like Something, that... Something's wrong, Dave. Yeah, it's just like, okay, do you want to hear me sing a song? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's beautifully shot. He's in that, like, red vault while it's going... That is... And... That is when I'm, like, my job might be at the, like, 
the its lowest. Dun, and dun. he, um, we got a, we got a. There's the guy's moment, name. I, um, Hang on, we got another guy's name. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to move forward, even though we're we're at a point where he does fall off. And Bowman, Dave. Bowman, Bowman. Dave Keir, is the guy. Kier Dulia. Kier Dulia. That's him. Huh? Yeah, he's a good looking dude. Well, that's Dave. That's Dave. I thought you were looking for the other guy's name. I feel bad. Oh, no, no, no. No. But Bowman, Bowman is what they... Yeah. Um, Either way, when Bowman goes in, and I love that when he's killing him and he's pulling these things out, he's sweating. Totally. And he's like, it's it's nerve-wracking because what what is going to be his fate moving forward without this, like, centralized computer that's going to, like, drive their mission to Jupiter? Yeah. How was a big Fuck. deal? The how that how thing were just it's just just so so stunning and uh and that leads us to Jupiter and beyond the infinite yeah. man. That's that's where things really really uh get just deep and, and crazy and and I know we're about to go into kind of like our both thoughts on that because I'm dying to know what you. Yeah, think. but um, I I, I mean before before we get into that, please. I definitely want to talk about like just from a technical technical wizardry same thing uh, point of view. Um, that was so like the the main sequence. What do you know about split screen photography? Yeah, so this was um, so that's what we're this, seeing. They're using when. They are uh, starting the helmet. The, the Stargate. Stargate sequence, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, if you were... I saw a video with Douglas Trumbull, who is the special effects behind this whole sequence. Um, this is the one... This is where the lights are coming at you. Yep. And it's shifting and changing. This, again, pre-CGI. You could do that shit with a fucking a, a screensaver visualizer yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, you can just, you just <laughs> film that shit. Yep. Uh, but in 1968, 67, whenever this came out, like, they didn't have that shit. Yep. So, like, if you, so he was explaining it, like, picture if you are on a road at night mm. and cars are coming at you and you're in the center lane and you, oh, take yeah. a, and you take a camera and you open up the shutter for 10 seconds. Instead of the light, like, whizzing by you the light is going to like leave a gigantic streak and a trail so this is basically what he was doing they were using a they were shooting the camera the camera was on a dolly moving at the at this split split screen uh kind of shooting through like one piece behind it there was uh a bunch of like different like neon bulbs um, fluorescent tubes and as they kept the, the shutter completely open and then shot fit, moved all these lights around changed the different yeah. different types of yeah, lights it looks, uh, yeah come on and come on moved the camera in the dolly position like towards <laughs> towards it so it created this effect totally I mean it was like, they were using what and they were just saying they're using all the, the those images on thing I heard they were using like um, high cro- high con- high contrast images uh, on film, including op art paintings, architectural drawings, printed circuits, uh, electron microscope photographs, photographs of molecular and crystal structures yeah. to kind of get like those things that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they were playing with all of all this kinds shit. of different and like the, images, and on the, the camera was complete. The shutter of the camera was completely open, open so it was up. completely fucking stream, like just like a, like. Sh- yeah, 
I, I have a friend who, um, who's uh, uh, Chris Prosser, uh, a photographer, and one night, uh, like, he was just showing me all these images where he just leaves the shutter open all night, and, and, and I would just, and he always brings up the line, I'm like, so when do you take the shot? <laughs> and right. just, like, he's just, he's like, he's like, you're not getting it. We had to, like, sit there all night, because it's such a, it is an amazing thing. They, that, it, that every, the way, every frame took about five minutes exactly. of exposure. Yes. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. They don't do that shit anymore. No. And the other thing... They just shoot that shit on green screen. And then they're just like, yeah, we'll yeah. have some guy... We'll put it in. Put yeah. it in later. And the other thing was um, the shots of, like, the various nebulae-like phenomenon, including, like, the expanding star field. And, and those were colored paints and chemicals swirling in, like, a pool-like uh, like cloud tank. And, and they mm. were shot in slow motion in a dark room. That's how they did that. Yeah. Yes. And there were other shots, uh, aerial footage of Monument Valley, yep. Utah. Yep. Um, and Throwing that was shot that. through colored filters. Yep. Um, I, I guess that, like, that part is the most... Okay, so it goes into... So if you take it, like, step by step, uh, Jupiter and Beyond the inf- Infinite, yeah. they show the... I think you see the ship just kind of traveling towards Jupiter. You see the monolith coming at him. Yep. And then you kind of like, they always return to that shot of his face. Right back to his helmet. All the, all the light kind of movement starts happening. And then after that, the, uh, the emulsion in the, in the, in the photograph. That we were just discussing. Yeah. yeah. And then it goes to actual kind of like physical shots of the landscape. Yep. Which was shot in Utah. Colored filters. Yeah. I kind of take that as that's like he's traveling over Jupiter. That is like the physical space that they're mm. in. Is that what you think? I mean, I think he's like that's where the actual physical ship is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from that point, the monolith is, I think, like taking him like into like a different portal of time. Let's do it, man. All right. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. No, yeah. I mean, it, it is completely time. So what... Uh, what what I mean? What happens there? What happens? I mean, and so just for to to not be too vague, what we're talking about, what I'm asking you, and what I want to try to explain from my point of view is: so he does, he goes through a stargate, he does end up in a room uh, that's kind of you know something that you know it could almost like a like a fancy hotel room or something like that. Yeah, like I- that. But it, it just—I'm just being very vague. But and then it leads to a sequence where we have a giant. Um, you know, star child hovering over the moon. So, so between when he goes on that Stargate journey until we have the star child, it's very ambiguous. It's open ended. It's intense. Right. Uh, I mean, I felt like I was sucked down a tube uh, watching it on seven. It was amazing. But what uh, in your in your um, estimation, what's going on, man? I I think the monolith is uh, the monolith comes at the dawn of man gives gives us a little jump to take the next step of evolution the next like form of higher intelligence using tools yeah we go through our existence for however many thousands of years to the point where the bone has become the spaceship like that is how the 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 intelligence that the monolith has brought us has jump-started our evolution to the point where we are human beings flying through space it started with a bone, and now it is a spaceship. Yep. The 
monolith then has returned to us and it's just like you guys are ready for the for the next event in your evolution and i think that event is either stepping outside our linear idea of time or giving us the power to time travel and i think like what he's seeing what what happens is when he goes to that house he travels like through this portal and then he can like see his see his life mm-hmm. before before it happens mm-hmm. cuz we they never like return back to um Dave after he's come out of whatever it is like yeah. either he turns into the star child or he sees himself turning into star child and then theoretically he could come out of that at the end come out of the stargate and be like whoa i just had an experience where this monolith showed me what my existence was. I think that... Oh, I like that. I like that. That's, a, you, that's your... T- yeah, that's like... It's just... So, so when he comes... When he comes out of the kind of trippy light sequence, he lands in the... Uh, he lands in this hotel, as you <laughs> that's say. A, I think I think that is actually his home. That's, okay. That's, that's his it. future home. Okay. It's like the crazy, like... Okay. It's, it's still kind of like the furniture is like yeah. old school, but it's like futuristic looking. It, 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 I, I feel that's employed a lot when, when you know, people do design uh, you know, sets or like a, a vision of what the future would be. They, yeah. they do hark back to, you know, you'll get... Because there were hipsters in 19... Yeah, absolutely. There were hipsters <laughs> in 1968. They were just like, look... Look, it's going to be futuristic, I know, but they're going to still the, like that wooden feel I know the, the floors are going to look like it, it was made for, like... In a science fiction movie, yeah, but yeah. he still has to have like a an old school so turntable. That's his home. You're saying? I'm saying that's his home. Yeah. He steps outside of his timeline, is able to see himself as a as a mm. aging man. Yeah. But there is the what's the star child then? Like, because I mean, it ends it. You did say. I mean, you mentioned popping out, which I I think is really cool. Like the idea of like going down a hole and being exposed to all these ideas, and then popping out and be like, whoa, yeah. And then kind of being well, uh, one of the things that we were talking about that was interesting uh, is that he sees all these images of himself, but yeah. then he becomes that image. So like, yeah, he's in his spacesuit, right into what he was looking. He's at. he's in his spacesuit. And then he's looking at an old man, like, eating... He's looking at an older version of himself. He was the first person uh, thing of that looking... He was that old man. Yeah. Yeah, And then he's looking at the dying man on the bed. Yep. And then the dying man is looking at the monolith. And then the monolith becomes a star child. Um, Is it... I I mean, I would say, like, just based on my theory of what it is, is that the star child is just showing the 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 circular nature of time. So like time is yeah. not something that's existing on a on a flat plane like th- how we are actually experiencing mm-hmm. time. It's showing time on kind of a more circular thing. Like yeah. you are you're born and you grow old and then you die and then you are reborn again and you are like experiencing this like mm. spirals throughout the throughout like this infinite like array of time. Does that make any sense? It does, and I just I, but I was just sitting there and I'm, I'm smiling and just feel like feeling happy on this 50th anniversary, 2001. <laughs> I love that it, it just 
invokes these these type of thoughts and conversations. What do you, of course th- what do you think it is? I mean, it's definitely on the same wavelength. I right. mean, the, the monolith is without a doubt, to me, the tie that binds is the tool that advanced an alien species, you know, the tool from an alien species that helped us advance. So it helped us gain knowledge on how to use tools. Mm-hmm. I think it also helped us, uh, the moon mission, I think is significant in the way that I think that was there. And they... What I think they're saying is that it helped us get into space because we found something there and we had to go explore it. And so that's leading us even further. So the monolith the whole time is, 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 is showing up at places where it's helping us take evolutionary advances. And so the next thing it does is take us towards Jupiter. And so that's that trip. And, and even in between, it might have happened after the moon. The monolith might have even given us the ability to ha- uh, form AI to, to get to make artificial right. intelligence. I mean, you can go that far, and I'm willing to. I, that's what I take it. And then it takes us out to Jupiter, and so the, it's kind of like wow. So they're going this far. This man's able to, to you know, I don't, I, I don't like to look at it as a test, but in a lot of ways it could be. Meaning he's get they, they are they're going this far, so they they are ready for this next step of evolution, and that's. That's when they give Dave. They, they they give him the knowledge of all time in my estimation, including yeah. including the Big Bang. I think they walk him through fucking everything, and that's what that trip is. You're just like like you're saying. I, I know you talk about time and space. I mean, it's just it's it's blown to pieces. And then know? what's the Star Child? It's it's we're getting there. And then it, it yeah it well this is it. it my star child and my room theory are kind of out there, so it's and, and it's that's what this point is, and it's all particular. So my room theory, the the hotel I spoke of, I actually like to look at it as uh, uh, I won't, I don't like to use the term zoo because it's like almost feels too captivity. I almost think that like so so when they're taking uh, uh, Dave, who is there, like becomes the chosen human to go on this journey. He he's brought in by this this species, and they want to make him comfortable. So they want to get they they while he's while this transition's happening. So they they, they that is something that would be familiar to anyone. Yeah, so I he's re- in there as he's moving towards. It's like it's like it is like it's like they make we make habitats that are faux habitats for for a monkey when we put when we fucking yeah. needlessly lock them up in their cages. Uh, but as far so that's what I think that in that transition transitionary. Uh, moment. I think that's what that is, but I think uh, the Star Child is the kind of these advanced uh, version of what a human could possibly be. That's replaced uh, kind of as an overseer of Earth, kind of like now an all-knowing being who now holds the knowledge of everything and right. can be responsible for this plan. This, the, this, it's, it's, it's is he a, going I back? think it's a version of God. Is he going? I think it's a version of God. Well, the monolith is a version of God. It could be. It could be looked at as that. I mean, the, it, by that rationale, like the star child isn't a version of God. Uh, the star child is like the next step in like human evolution. It's, it's, it goes pretty far though. That's, I mean, that's, it's, yes, it, it is an evolutionary advancement, but I mean, it's not like I, I I just feel like not everybody's chosen to go on that path. I mean, this it's the, the the series of events that led to Dave getting to the point where he became the Star Child is not something that that it makes him super super special. It's not something that that 
it's not like just like humans are going to evolve to this. This is their natural cycle. I think that's that was given to a special person who is going to be the star child and the overseer. And uh, obviously, this movie is. I mean, is not, really, no, not really though. Like, what do you mean? M- multiple apes touched the monolith, and like there was one ape out of all of them. Out of that clan, well, yes, was, that like that, that, first that picked helped up us, the helped, helped per, them advance. So. Per, first picked up the bone. I mean, Dave was just like one of many apes that was operating this spaceship. Yeah, he was the he one. Was, he, he was, was the, given, but he was given the he was given the site. He was given the the he he he, he, he was, was let in. He was the one that survived. He was the one that survived. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of opportunity. Oops, sorry about that. Right. We're, we're, we're having a couple of drinks to celebrate the 50th anniversary of. Uh, 2001 a Space Odyssey was awesome. So I also I do want to hear um, after people listen to this and just I you know I'm, I'm more curious than ever uh, other people's theories. And I yeah. hope this I, I hope this sparks a discussion for us moving forward. I'm sure we're, I'm sure we'll revisit this, but I mean just on our social medias and which is Twitter, uh, uh, at Instagram at Welcome to the Party pal podcast and, and uh, on, on twitter at to the party pal. At to the party pal let's just hit us up and we you know we want to know uh your thoughts also i always say we want to know what um what you like to hear us talk about next I, I had a uh i had a good friend of of ours and a a uh, fan of the podcast uh recommend one what is that i think it was our first recommendation what is it? it was the uh it was a film called the outsiders oh cool yeah yes. so so i have never so shout out to my boy rt rt thank a, you rt thank you for listening man i think, we love I think you. this was i think this was technically the first recommendation for something that we should do yeah he's a huge fan i've heard him mention this this movie multiple times. Yeah. I have never seen it. Oh, I can't wait to take. I've seen it. And um, Brian, everyone's so good. everyone's seen it. It's so I love that you have it though. That's so cool. I you think, have to experience it with like grown person. I think maybe we have to film. do like our first fan base. Yes. Uh, selection of what uh, of of a film, and, yeah. and I'll I'll go in on yes. the outsiders. Amazing. Uh, the Outsiders is going to happen, though. RT, RT made that happen. Definitely. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone even mentioned to me, uh, I think it's um, uh, Jay Hart, who who does the, another Osiris um, podcast. He, uh, I believe it's him. If I'm messing that up, I'm sorry. But he, uh, he reached out after uh, the Arnold show, and he's like, he's, you know what? We need to do a Bill Paxton one. <laughs> and like, just go, he's, like, he's like, you know, just go all in on Bill yeah, Paxton. Man. I, mean, I was like... I was like, you in? Let's do this. And just, I mean, I mean and, and it's definitely possible. We have weird science, everything with that. So, and, hey, shout out to everyone. We got a lot of good feedback on the Arnold episode. Thanks, Will Nunziata from the Godwin. Will Nunziata's the man. Yeah, he's the man from the Godwin Evan podcast yeah. for joining us. We love that. And, and uh, you know what? People are starting to have a lot of fun around this podcast. We got a lot of good feedback, and we're pumped about that. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of this celebration, man. We, we love this yeah, film. It's I, a it's a great film. If uh, anyone's listening that hasn't seen it, yeah. I mean, this is like the science fiction masterpiece. Absolutely. And, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking a lot of people who have even seen it who are listening to this. I think they're gonna. I hope this propels people to revisit it for real. It, like I, I know I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I can speak for you and revisiting it the way we did recently. It blew my mind. Yeah, I, that was awesome. I also, I mean, we did this. We did this a couple months prior. We watched uh, we watched Aliens uh, in theaters on a thirty five millimeter yes. print. If I, I mean, 
we live in New York City, so there is yeah, there, we do have the ability to watch that, but a lot of man, cities are good good at, good at that as well. Hopefully, you know, it's if if you get the chance to watch an old film on like a thirty five millimeter get print there. or a seventy get millimeter there. print, that's the way to do it, man. That's like that's why this art form like was what it was for so long. Like I, it's great that we have access to to all these great works of art in the comfort of our own home but there nothing beats like sitting in a darkened theater and just being like like your phone is off and you're completely overwhelmed by it yeah it's all it the the, all your senses senses tingled by by this incredible work of art and it's 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 uh that's why we're here today i mean we're here to celebrate films like this and it's 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 there's a lot of films we could talk about a lot of television we could talk about that's current but i mean uh, you know what are we doing here if we're not going to talk about the greats and right. this is truly one of the greats yeah yeah thanks Brian appreciate the time thank yeah, you everyone out there for uh, uh, joy hey I, I want to say this um, uh, one of my favorite bands is Fish and they have a, a song 2001 which is a, a version of Elsa Sprach Zarathis um, by who was that that was uh, I got it here uh Richard Strauss and I'm sure because we're on Osiris the Blue, we, the we, blue Danube uh, Strauss did what is it? Is was Strauss the composer of yeah. the Blue Danube? Is that what it is? The Blue Danube is the. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. That's Holy, the, that's was, the, uh, like, which is a river in Budapest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. either way, uh, we're gonna after uh, after this, we're gonna take us out. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in. I'm sure our Cyrus wrote mine, uh, 2001 to close us out. But hey, again, thanks for joining the party, everybody. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.